Go ahead and grab a seat. What a great song to set us up for this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We're in 1 John chapter 2 uh, today, and we're just walking through this, this short book throughout the summer. We're getting, taking a deep dive into it, um, and so we're going to uh, get right to it. Um, and so I want to read verses 18 to 27, uh, and then we want to come back and, and talk about it. So John writes, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And so we've been talking about how, how John is like the, the chief reminding officer. He says a lot of things over and over and over again because he wants to make sure that, that we get it. And we're going to see repetition from stuff that we've talked about in the past. And so re remember, you know, the, the reason for his, his writing, right, was, was so that people would, would understand what it means to be saved, right? Do, the, do you have a question about your salvation, right, in Jesus? And he wants to make that clear. And so this, this section of Scripture is going to give us lots of clues about what's going on in this early church. And so I just I want to take a, a moment to, to look at some of these clues. And so, right, so John is writing because this, this church in Ephesus that he's the pastor of was in crisis. Right? And so, so what is it that, that appears to have happened? Well, we, we're told in, in verse 19 that people were leaving his church. I mean, think about this. This is, this is the disciple that, that, that Jesus loved, his, his BFF, his best friend forever. Like, that's who is writing this. That's who's the pastor of this church. And people, leaders, really, as we're going to see, are walking out the door. Right? And, and, and look what it says in, in verse 19. He really describes it. He says, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but they're going show that none of them belong to us. And so if you're one of those people that are writing in your Bibles and taking notes in your Bibles, you can underline, went out and, and going, and just flashing pictures of, of my Bible as, you know, as we walk through this today. And so literally, he's, he wants to address why people are leaving the church. And so he's, he's pointing out that these people, that really their leaders, they, 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 they seem to be one thing, because that's how they got put into leadership. But actually now, they're begin people are beginning to see and realize that there's something very different about them. And we thought they were believers, 
But actually, they're not. They're denying some very specific things of what are actually required that make you a believer in Jesus. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And so these people, the people in the church, they're looking to their pastor and saying, well, what is going on? Why are people leaving? Why are people teaching these things? Why are they bringing confusion and deception into our church? And so what John is doing here in this section of Scripture is he's trying to give assurance to this firm foundation we just sang about, right? That in this very disorienting situation. And so really, he's giving us the context of why he's writing this. And I think the context of why he's writing it is, is so similar to, to what we're dealing with in our denomination. Like, why is all of this going on? Why are people saying different things about Jesus, that his cross wasn't necessary, that believing in him as the only way, right? Like, why are, why, why are they teaching things that are, are contrary to the Bible and it's bringing such division and confusion? And I'm like, wow. The things that were happening in the church in the first century, under the leadership of, of the Jesus' favorite disciple, right, is happening today in our denomination. I'm like, wow, what an important time for us to be reading this book of the Bible. And so John really, he begins this section with, with a question, are we in the end times? And, and so John writes this, he starts off in verse 18, he says, dear children, this is the last hour. As you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how you, we know it's the last hour. And so he, so he writes, last hour twice there, so you want to circle that or underline that. You want to circle Antichrist, it's there twice, right? And so he's repeating, right, these are important words. And, and, and I think we ask this question. In light of everything that's going on around us in, in our country, in our world, right? And, like, is this the end time? Is this it? Is, is Jesus getting ready to come back? And, and, like, and, and, and he's like, and this, this idea of an antichrist. Right? I don't know about you, but I see different people on the internet talking about this. And, and, and like, I think it brings confusion and, and fear. And, and I think that's what's happening is, as John is writing this to the church that he was the pastor of. And, and, and here's the thing. What, what I find is that when we talk about things that we may, we may not completely understand, we, we either overreact or we underreact. And we either blow it up and be like, oh my gosh, it's the end times, it's got to be the end times, the Antichrist is coming, or we're like, let's just ignore it, but maybe it'll go away. And, and I just, I love, I really appreciate what, what C.S. Lewis wrote. So, so he was dealing with some questions regarding demons in the Bible, and he wrote this. There are two equal and opposite errors. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And so I think the same thing could be said about topics that, that John is addressing today. right? The last hour, the end times, the, the antichrist. And, and so when, when we hear those words in the Bible, when we read those words in the Bible, we need to take them seriously. But at the same time, we, we can't overreact. We can't blow them up like some people do on the, on the internet, kind of obsessing about the end of the world. But what's interesting to me is, to kind of put this into context, right? this, this, this idea of the last hour, right? This is, the, this is the only place in the entire New Testament where we find this. 
And sometimes people, like, they build their whole ministry on this whole idea of the, of the, the end times and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's, it's only here. And the word antichrist is here. And, and in 2 John, the next book of the Bible, that, that's it. And so like, we have to be wise about what we're reading in the Bible. And so John, actually, he's using these terms in a very specific biblical theme. And so we're actually told by Jesus, just as a reminder, right, that, that the day that he is going to return, nobody knows. Jesus doesn't know. The only one who knows when Jesus is going to return is God the Father. So, so if, you're, if you're reading something, you're, you're watching something, and they're like, I figured it out, I saw the puzzle, I know when Jesus is coming back. You know what that person's actually saying, according to Jesus? That they're God. That's the, one of the most arrogant things that a person can say. I know what Jesus says, only God knows. So therefore, I must be God. Like, no, like, that's ridiculous, right? And, and so, like, John is just, he's like, I want you to understand something that's, that's going on. And, and we're, we, we need to kind of pull back. We need to look at the, the whole counsel of Scripture to understand this. And so he's not talking about the end of the world is about to come, right? And, and so like, really what he's saying is this, is this is the last hour. And so we have to think about what does that mean, the last hour? And so think of it kind of as, as the final scene in a, in a grand drama, Right? It doesn't necessarily mean that the, 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 the end of the world is, is right around the corner, right? because if it did, then this was written almost 2,000 years ago, then Jesus would have already returned. Right? So, so this, is a, this is a time frame. Right? And so like, if you've ever gone to a musical or seen a play, think, think Shakespeare right? and, the, and the different acts that happen in, in a play by Shakespeare. And so, so if the Bible were broken down into you know, stage acts, it would look something like this. And so in the first stage would be creation, right? And so God in seven days made everything, right? Act two would be the fall. Adam and Eve, they, they ate of the forbidden fruit and sin came into the world. Act three is the, is the story of Israel, God's people of seeking to follow him and failing at it and repenting and coming back and, and all of that. Act four would be the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then comes Act 5, the church. And so to say that we are in the last hour means that we're in Act 5, the church. Right? It's, it's the last act. And, and we can't really say anything more than that without drifting kind of into unhealthy speculation. Right? And so Act 5 started the moment that, that Jesus went up to ascend it into heaven, and then in Acts chapter 2, and breathed out the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. That's when Act 5 began, right? And so it's going to end when Jesus returns. Now, who knows that date? What's his name? God, right? It's not a trick question, I promise. No trick questions, right? It's God. He's the only one who knows that. None of us do. And so John, he knew when he was writing this that we were living, that he was living, and here now as we're reading this, we're living in Act 5. And so that we're living in this, this same hour, this is pretty cool, that John was living in when he wrote this book. And so this, this, this is still going on. It, it's, it's not finished yet. The story's not done yet. And, and so to, to say that we're in the last hour is to say this that we're living in the time when God is working in and through the church 
before Christ's return. So if anybody, you ever hear anybody say, hey, I think we're, we're living in, you know, it's the last days, and Jesus is returning, and all you have to do is say, like, well, according to 2 John chapter 2, like, we're living in the time when God is working in and through the church before Christ's return. They're going to be like, what? Wait, 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 you know, just like, bring it back to the Bible. Just bring it back to the Bible. And so, if you were underlining before, you know, with with last hour, you can actually, if you want to, you can write on to the side, the the age of the church. That's the the Act 5, that's what we're in right now. And so, when, when, when you hear pastors or you hear people, other people, you know, talking about end times, just, just, just listen very carefully. And, and here's the thing that I've noticed. Oftentimes, it's very fear-based, right? Trying to scare us. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, how, how does 2 John, 1 John chapter 2 inform that? I mean, come on, like, why would you try to scare me with heaven? Right? I, don't, I don't know about any of you. I'm excited about going to heaven. Right? Anybody? Amen? Right? I mean, it's going to be so much better than this. And so when people are like, oh, you better watch out. Jesus is going to return any minute. I'm like, bring it on. Come on. I'm ready for heaven. Right? I'm tired of all this stuff going on in our world. And so I just, I get excited when people tell me that. Not, I don't get afraid. And so we're, we're, yes, we're, we're living in the last hour, but that's good news. Jesus is going to return, and we get to go to heaven because of it. And so we don't have to fear at all. And I think that's what he's saying to, to his church. John is saying that to his church, and that's what I want to say to our church as well. So, so John uses another word that I think oftentimes gets used with fear, and that's antichrist. And sometimes he used it in plural and in the singular, right? And so it's really simple. Like, we, we don't have to dramatize this or anything, right? The, the, the word refers to anyone who says that they are a Christian— but denies that Jesus is the Christ, that denies that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And so look look what it says in verse 22. Who is a liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. And so you can circle deny or denying uh, twice there, underline Antichrist two times there. And and so this is... the word Christ is not Jesus' last name, okay, just to be clear, right? Christ means the Messiah, the, the promised one. And so someone who is an, an anti-Christ or, or an anti-Messiah, it means that, that they're denying that, that Jesus sent his one and only son into the world to die for our sins. They're, they're denying that Jesus is that promised Messiah. They're denying that, that Jesus is the full revelation of God. And so, so if you deny that Jesus is the promised one, John is saying, look, you've got to understand what you're saying. You're also denying who God is, right? who sent Jesus. And so the bottom line is, you, you, you can't be a Christian and, and claim that Jesus isn't the Messiah. And, so, and to use John's phrase, and he's, just, you know, he's a black and white guy, he's like, you're a liar if you say that, or if you believe that. And he's saying, look, and, and, and what, he's, what John is saying is like, hey, listen, these people who, who are left, that are, that are leaders, right? Like, these are the people who are saying this and, and teaching this. And so he's like, look, I want you to understand these people who are trying to, to deceive you and manipulate you, and we're going to get to it in a minute, are liars. Let's call it for what it is. Let's go on. Look at verse 19. He writes, they went out from us. But they didn't really belong to us, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them 
belong to us. Look, and, and John, I mean, he just doesn't play games here. You know, and remember, he's, he's like, I want you to understand, are you saved or are you not saved? Are you safe in Jesus or, or not? And he's like, these people are saying one thing. Hey, we're Christians, but we don't actually believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Right? Like that, that's, it's, a, it's a disconnect. And, and, and then these, these people, they're, they're actually, they're, they're not only proclaiming that Jesus isn't the Messiah, now they're, they're beginning to teach people People who looked up to them as, as teachers and leaders in their church, and they're, they're like, wait, they, they're not saying the same things that you're saying, John. You're not, they're not teaching the same things, and, and, we're, and we're getting confused here. And so like, they're, just, they're intentionally trying to deceive the church. Look what it says in, in verse 26. I'm writing these things to you, right? He's, he's like, come on, I'm sounding the alarm. I want you to understand what's really happening about those who are trying to lead you astray. So if you're writing your Bible, you can underline lead you astray, right? In some translations of your Bible, it might say deceive. The King James Version goes so far as to translate this as seduce, right? This is what's happening in this church. People are deceiving, people are seducing them away from a relationship with Jesus as the, the way, the truth, and the life that no one comes to the Father except through the Son, and so, so John, as he's describing these people, they're, they're denying the faith. And, and now they're trying to lead others away from the faith. And so John's like, hey, I want to equip you. I want you to see this deception for what it is and how to combat it. And I don't know about you. I don't like to be deceived. I don't like when people play games with me or make excuses. Like, they're just, they're, they're are, there's, there's very few things that, that, that can fill me, at least, with, with anger the way deception does. And so when it, when it happens in the church... It happens, it's even worse for me. Like my, my, my anger goes from zero to 60 in like 0.2 seconds. Just like, no, we cannot be deceived. And, and, and the point of this deception is happening in this church, and it easily permeates into the church in the 21st century, is, is that, that truth is being concealed. Deception, it, it relies on lies. I mean, remember what we talked about Satan last week, that he's a liar and he's a deceiver. And so deception, it just, it relies, it depends on truth being hidden or concealed. And that's what these people are doing. And so what, what, I, what I want you to see in this, and I think what John's trying to get his church to see in this is, deception is exposed when the truth is revealed. He's bringing the truth to bear. And we'll see that in just a moment and, and how he solves this, right? Deception is exposed when the truth is revealed. And, and, and so, in order to help them to understand this and help us understand that, John jumps around a little bit here, and it, and it's, it, kinda, it can kind of get a little confusing, so, so stay with me. We're going to look at three verses that are kind of separated. We're going to look at verse 20, and 24, and 27. And what I want you to do is I want you to watch, or I want you to, to listen for words that repeat, because remember, John's the chief reminding officer, these are important words. So let's look at these three verses. But you, talking to his church, have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. It's going to come back to the truth. As for you, see what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also remain in the Son and in the Father. As for you, the anointing you receive from Him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But His anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, 
Remain in him. And so notice the, the, the words that are repeating. Right? He, he wants to ensure two things remain in the people of his church, should remain in our church. And so when people are trying to intentionally deceive you about, about who Jesus is and, and, and what Jesus has come to do, right, remember these things. Let, let these things remain or abide in you to take root in your heart and in your life, no matter what else that you hear from anyone else. Stay rooted in God's truth. And so there's, there's two things that we're going to look at that, that John wants to remain in, in these followers of Jesus, then and, and today. And so he, he used that phrase, that what you heard from the beginning. So he's going back. If you're memorizing 1 John chapter 1, you remember this is verse 1 of that. Right? That which you've heard from the beginning, he's, he's repeating it in verse 24. For as, you, as for you, you see what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. So, first of all, what you heard from the beginning. Second of all, the anointing you received. Verse 27, as for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. So these are the two things that John wants to remain in us. Okay, so let's talk about those two things. Start with the first one. What, you, what you've heard from the beginning. So what he's saying is, remember what we've been talking about, this, this gospel message about Jesus. And so if you're underlining it and you heard from the beginning, you can write out to the side of that, the gospel, right, in the margin. This is the original message about Jesus, right, that, that his first followers, the, the people who are the eyewitnesses, like they, they saw him. They saw, there were people who saw Jesus nailed to the cross. There were people who saw him after he walked out of the tomb, resurrected, and they wrote about it and they told people about it. This is the good news that the faith in this man brings salvation, right? And so John, he's just, he's reminding him, right, reminding his church, right, this, this basic message about Jesus, that he is the Messiah, he is the Christ. And, and so like, if that's, that's, that's the foundation for all of this, right? And then really, it's, it's, it's rooted in the identity of Jesus. So, so if Jesus is not the Christ, if Jesus is not the Messiah, then, then whatever we believe about him, I mean, who cares if he's not? He's just another guy. But, but John, I think he remembers that time when they were walking along the road and Jesus stops them and, and he says this to them in Matthew 16, 15 and 16. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Listen, the, the shocking and scandalous message of the gospel isn't that, that someone died on a cross. Right? Lots and lots, thousands of people died on a cross in the ancient world, and, and tons of those people died on that cross who, who didn't deserve to die. That's not what this is about. What, what makes the gospel shocking and, and scandalous is that the person who died on the cross was the Messiah, the, the Son of the living God. When, when Jesus walked out of the tomb, resurrected, like, that decisively declared that he is indeed the Christ. He's the one that, that Israel has been looking forward to for thousands of years. And, and of all the people in history, I mean, since Jesus, who've claimed, hey, I'm the Messiah, I'm the chosen one, there's only one who has come back to, from the dead. And his name is... Jesus, not a trick question again. I mean, just like, serious. I'm not playing games. His name is Jesus, 
writes. Like he's the only one who's actually resurrected from the dead. So John says, look, this is, this is what we've been talking about from the beginning, guys. This is what we founded our church on. This is what we've been teaching week after week, day after day. And if somebody is teaching something different than this, they're deceiving you. And they're called an antichrist. So don't listen to them. So that was the first thing. The second is this, this anointing, this, this anointing that you've received. And so if you notice in this section, John used the word anointing four different times. Right? So he starts it off in verse 20 by saying the anointing from the Holy Spirit, and then three times in verse 27. It's really, really an important word. So you can underline anointing those four times. Right? And, and so this is, anointing simply means the giving of the Holy Spirit. Right? And so anointing, you write out Holy Spirit in the margin. Right? So when you, when you put, put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, at that instant, the Holy Spirit came down upon you, anointed you. The, it says our body as Christians is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? We've got God the Father, God the Son, now God the Spirit. Right? That's, that's true about us. Right? And, and so this, the, the birth of the church... Or, or as we were talking about earlier, the, the final hour, the last hour, it, it started when the Holy Spirit came upon believers and, they, and the church was started. Right? And so, so John is now saying that, that this anointing of the Holy Spirit that, that you already have, right, because they're believers, will help steer you into truth. Like, so when people all around you are trying to deceive you, right, this is the Holy Spirit that you have, it needs to remain in you because it's going to bring you back to all truth. Actually, that's what Jesus said in, John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 13, when he said, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And so like, John is like, I'm connecting the dots for you. Holy Spirit breathed out for the church. Holy Spirit came on you whenever you became a believer in Jesus. And so for this, this, this church that's really struggling, right, with, with whether or not they, they know the truth because they're hearing these people have left the church and what they're saying is contrary to what they've been hearing. Like, just, he's like, just remain in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will, will guide you into all truth. And, and so it's just this trusting that God is enough for us. And so, one last thing I want to talk about, and I know we're, we're I'm way over time, sorry. So, so I want to talk about this, this remaining in Jesus part that, that John writes about. And, and sometimes in your Bible it might say abide, it might be the translation. And, and so this is, this, is, like, this is a relational word. This is, this is what we do. This is why we spend time early in the morning with God and praying and reading the Bible and throughout the day pausing to, to reflect on what God is doing in our life or on his word. Right? And, and this is what Jesus said in, in Gospel of John chapter 15, verse 4. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And so every time that you see the word remain, you can replace it with abide. It might say that in your Bible. And so in, at the end of the day, in the midst of the confusion and the conflict and the uncertainty, the, the question that, that all of us need to ask ourselves is, like, are we truly remaining? Are we truly abiding in Jesus? 
Or do we wake up every morning and we like, hey, I've just got to go about my business. I've got to go do my job or go to school or, or whatever I'm doing for that day and not starting and rooting ourselves in a relationship with a guy who, who died on a cross for us. Right? This is so relational. Right? It's, it's about seeking to, to submit our entire lives to him. It means getting up early, reading our Bible, praying, putting on worship songs. It means like just getting the Bible into our hearts through memorization if we need to. It means trusting Him with our resources. It means you know, protecting our eyes and our hearts from impurity. It means confessing our sins regularly and honestly. It means loving and serving people in your life. And so it's just, there's this, this intimacy that, that God desires as we abide in him through faith in Jesus. And so, so I think John is, is telling the early church, he's telling us today, look, if, if, if you are doing all of that, if you're remaining in him, if you're abiding in him, right, you, you don't need to worry. You don't need to worry if you're, if you're saved or not saved. It, there's a truth that's been spoken about you because of your faith in Jesus and you don't need to worry about the false teachers, those people are trying to deceive you. Right? They're just they're distractions. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Remain in the original message of who Jesus is. Remain in his, remain in his truth. Because remember, truth is a person. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the truth. So there's always going to be those who are trying to deceive us. There's always going to be those who are trying to scare us into thinking, oh, it's the end times. Look out. Be afraid. Let me encourage you. Just as, just as John was encouraging his church, that no matter what's going on in our denomination, no matter what's going on in our country, in our world, just, just stay focused on the message that you received from the beginning that Jesus is the Son of God. He came to pay the penalty for your sins, to die on a cross, and on the third day to be raised from the dead, that he could purchase your life eternal. And when you make that decision to follow him, put your trust in him, God declares something about your identity, that you are his son, that you are his daughter, that you are adopted into his family. Let's pray.